12 o'clock. Let's talk to Tom Curran about football. Tommy Curran of NBC Sports Boston, who is with us each and every Tuesday here at Gresham Fourier. He is sponsored by Dr. Matthew Lapresti at Leonard Hair Transplant Associates, the hair doctor of Tommy Curran at 1-800-GET-HAIR. By Awaken 180 Weight Loss, become your own success story by dropping the weight holding you back. It starts with just one call to Awaken 180. And by Unified Office, where they help businesses maximize every incoming call, unifiedoffice.com. Tommy Curran on the Harbor One Hotline. Good afternoon, sir. How are you? Tremendous, Andrew. How are you? How's Christian? We're- I'm good. Thank you for asking. Foyer got a uh, big tattoo at a wedding over the weekend. I don't know if you've heard. Permanent? Uh, Permanent, yes. Yes. He got a tiny little heart on the inside of his left bicep, almost like a jailhouse tattoo. That's right. I belong to somebody now. I just don't know who. Say Gresham Foyer? No, not yet. Ten to two? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Definitely no, not, not going to lock it in a time frame. No, God, no. <laughs> no. Maybe Wiggy will get uh, photos of us on uh, on uh, his back because we talked to uh, Wiggs about all of uh, all of his tattoos. So, Tommy, this is like the calm before the storm, right? Is Is everything okay in Patriot land? Is everything okay in Gillette? Not that there would be waves, but... Is there work kind of going on right now? Sort of what's your read, Tommy, as to this team heading into camp in what will be just a couple of weeks from now? Well, I think entering minicamp, the team probably had a far different vibe around it than it does now. They now have issues that that are present that that maybe didn't reveal themselves when it was an on-paper team. You know, the fact that Trent Brown showed up in the condition he did at minicamp and wasn't able to take part really in anything, and he showed up late for a mandatory event, lends to questions about the left tackle position with the third highest cap number on the team of $12 million in Trent Brown. Additionally, now you have what projected to be a starting cornerback embroiled in the legal situation, so you have to really you know, investigate where that's going to go and try and reconcile whether or not you're going to you know, continue with Jack Jones, have him on the field beginning of training camp, put him on any kind of a list, let the judicial system play out, and make a determination of, you know, exactly which way you want to go with him moving forward. And then you have to look at the wide receiver position, which as we saw at minicamp with Juju Smith-Schuster still nursing an injury from last year's postseason, and Tyquan Thornton with a soft tissue injury that kept him out. You have to project forward and say, okay, do we have enough at wide receiver? So the DeAndre Hopkins situation still looms as well. And the Patriots, as I'm writing right now, will send out uh, to NBC Sports Boston shortly. They're kind of flush with money right now. And given the critical nature of this season, given those two other situations at left tackle and cornerback, given that Bill O'Brien is here with an offense that hopefully will be better than last year, you shouldn't be tying yourself down by slow playing DeAndre Hopkins or nickel and diming that situation. It's kind of a desperation buy. Yes, you might have to swallow hard on aspects of either his contract or his aversion to practicing, but he's almost a must-have at this point for a team that has now got emerging question marks at three critical spots. So, I mean, that's that's where I was going as far as DeAndre Hopkins. So, you know, we talk about slow playing it. Like, is that the reason why they haven't signed him yet? 
I think it's more on Hopkins' side, just judging by the reporting that we've seen from folks at ESPN who are probably more plugged in with Hopkins in his camp than I am. He seems to you know, want to see what's out there, whether it be Tennessee, whether it be New England, whether it be Kansas City, and figure out what he wants to do. I also think that he might not be inclined to want to be at the start of the training camp, which, again, flies in the face of what the Patriots would want to be about. But if you're in a pinch and you need a dynamic playmaker for your offense because you don't think the playmakers that you have are going to be good enough or available to you, then you might have to bite the bullet and make that move. So to me, I mean, the Patriots have $15 million in cap space. They actually have $185 million committed to the players on their roster now against a $224 million cap. They are carrying $21 million in dead money. So cash-wise, they're not spending a ton on players who are currently on their roster. Next year, they have $122 million in cap space, which is by far the most in the NFL, and have like $127 million committed right now into to 50 contracts. So the, the upshot of it is they're pretty flush. And if it's, oh, we don't want to pay them more than $13 million, they've bitten the bullet on whether it be Jonu Smith or Isaiah Wynn or Trent Brown right now and not gotten a, a yield from them. Nelson Aguilar would be another. On one hand, you want to stop digging when you're in a hole. On the other hand, in for a dime, in for a dollar, you need to win games in 2023. So they might be best served in, I think, biting the bullet and saying whatever it takes. Tommy Kern of NBC Sports Boston Aggression Fourier. Off of what you said about Trent Brown, if there is going to be a buy, should it be a free agent offensive lineman? Or if Trent Brown flames out, is there enough at tackle to get through the year? I don't know if there's enough to tackle to get through the year. I'm sure that they can cobble something together. We'll see how Adrian Clem does with that group. I think Dante Scarnecchia would be a guy who traditionally was able to get more from players than generally was expected by their resumes. I don't know if Adrian Clem is going to be the same way. And there's not a lot wandering around out there for high-end tackles at this juncture. So I, I think the Patriots are really in a spot where they have to cross their fingers that Trent Brown will come in on time in a condition to play at the dominant level that he's capable of when he is engaged. And it wasn't a good 2022 for him. So he tends to be an every other year guy. Maybe this will be the year, but it hasn't started well. I don't know if you had a chance to check out ESPN and uh, the Bill uh, Barnwell piece on, uh, you know, the whole, uh, you know, dead area of the year where people are putting out their lists and, he ranked uh, out of the 32 teams uh, the best and worst um, skill position groups, running backs, tight ends, and uh, wide receivers. And he had the Patriots uh, ranked 26th out of 32 teams. Just your quick thoughts on whether you think he got this right or wrong. I think that's right. You know, really? You look at their... Absolutely. Do you think they should be higher? I think they're underrated as a group. As a skill position group, I think they're underrated. And when you automatically go into the exercise of of valuing wide receivers more than the tight ends and the running backs, it's automatically going to push New England down because it doesn't take into account your philosophy. Like, the, the Patriots are going to be very willing to use Ramondre Stevenson. In the real football world, that's not a bad thing. But I guess if you're writing copy and content, you got to have some parameters. 
Yeah, and I look at Ramondre Stevenson as probably a top 10 all-around back. I really think that, that he is ascending to a point where he's one of the better backs in the league, and he showed that last year, and his durability you know, came into question at the end of the year, but he was out there all the time. They need to lessen his load a little bit. But I think their running back group is good. I think that their tight end group should be better than average if available. Yep. yep. But the wide receiver core is, you know, without, you know, you get Kendrick Bourne, who to me I think might be their most explosive outside receiver and useful guy just based on 2021 when he was properly used and engaged. And you look at a player who's underrated, Devontae Parker. I think he's probably properly rated given what he's performed, what his performance level has been the last three years. And Thornton is an X factor. I really thought that Thornton would make a leap, but you can only go on what you see. And he spent a significant portion of last year injured and he's injured now. So how much can you count on his development this year? So, yeah, I, I just don't, See, even in their division, the Patriots owning any kind of high-end talent to compare with the Jets, to compare with, because of the Jets' wide receiver core, uh, to compare with Miami, obviously, with their wide receiver core and the speed in their backfield, and with Buffalo. It's just, it's just not there, even in their division. Tommy, you mentioned uh, next year some of the money that is already committed to certain players do you think there might be an expensive player or two? Because if you extend on Wenu, you're just adding money to your own situation. If you're trying to create a little more wiggle room this year, do you think there are a couple of players realistically that the Patriots could go to, repurpose their contracts, keep them around for another year or two or maybe even three, while also freeing up, quote-unquote, cap space for the now? Or do they really not have a lot of candidates for those kind of extensions? No, they have, they have three who should probably be at the top of their list right now for extensions. Josh Uche, Kyle Duggar, and Onwenu, um, as you mentioned. All of them, though, based upon what their production was, especially Onwenu and Uche, could certainly sit there and say, well, if I hit the market after a good year, if Uche has another double-digit sack season, they're going to command a fair amount of money, you know, $50, $60 million for total contracts. So the Patriots, have they allocated that already? And that's where a portion of the $127 million will go. You know, you would hope so. Those are dependable players who show up, who are engaged in, you know, the program, so to speak. So I would say that the two of those three would certainly be in that department. And I don't think you want to let Kyle Duggar go, even though Marte Mapu might be a player who, you know, signals well this year as, as a potential replacement for Duggar. And they already have Adrian Phillips and some other players who are really good back there and still young enough to expect more from. But I think those three guys would be smart extension targets for the Patriots, but they might be saying, you know what, what's the number you're giving me and what could I command on the open market if I get out there? Um, man, that Marte Mapu is getting a lot of attention. Getting a lot of attention. Interesting to see how that guy is going to fare once the pads and games actually start. But the other kind of like housekeeping I want to get to you with is um, the Dalvin Cook. Like It's like the new name that's available out there that uh, everyone seems to try to, you know, I don't know, maybe uh, uh, you know, attach to the Patriots. Your thoughts on that even being a possibility? It would make sense to reduce the load on on Stevenson 
because, you know, they, they moved on from obviously um, James Robinson. So now they have Pierre Strong and Ty Montgomery as kind of their third down backs. I think if you can get Dalvin Cook at the right price and he is, you know, rubbing up against the legs of every team in the AFC East right now. Um, but he seems interested in, in landing a spot. He's an explosive player. Patriots held him in check when they faced him, but I still think that he is a, a very good pass run, uh, pass catching and running threat. So it, it makes sense on paper to bring a player like that in. Do you want to bring both he and Hopkins in? I mean, those are two would-be critical players, but they have resumes that show that they are explosive players who can handle the ball upwards of, you know, 100 times each over the course of a year, be targeted um, more so for Dalvin Cook as a running back too. So that would be a big chunk of your offense that isn't even in-house in at the start of July. Do they want to do that? Do they project those players as being ones who they can pick up the system pick up exactly what the Patriots are about and march in lockstep towards what they need to have here is a very successful season. Can they get that? And that's what's very interesting about this season right now is it's, it's pivotal for Bill Belichick. It's pivotal for Mac Jones and, and Robert Kraft has been, you know, kind of tapping his foot and checking his watch to see when this team would flourish in this second incarnation post Brady and, that's why it's so pivotal. Tommy, last thing for you, and we're going to go to another sport. You're a Celtics guy. Marcus Smart traded off the roster. What do you make of it? I liked him as a player. He was their most creative passer. He was a versatile scorer, inventive around the rim, obviously a very good defender, a heart and soul type player. I do wonder if his leadership style sometimes projected as getting in the way of a development of a, a Jalen Brown or a Jason Tatum is taking over the team as theirs. You know, if, if Smart could have been more of a role player, he's not a conventional point guard. He is not a traditional point guard. He averaged 10.6 points over the last nine years for them. 12.6. I mean, he's, you know, an average point guard who can make creative passes, but also his poise at the end of games and in critical situations was not what you want. And I think the Patriots, Patriots, I think the Celtics <laughs> are, are definitely well-served by moving on from smart. And honestly, if you want to talk about a traditional point guard, Fred Van Vliet would be the perfect fit. I'm told by people who know more than me about the CBA, that can't happen. Right. So what's the next guy down? It's Peyton Pritchard. He is the best ball handler on the team. He is the best at creating penetration and movement in the offense simply by the dribble. He can be a pass-first point guard. Unlike Smart, who's kind of a, an amalgamation, he's probably a better outside shooter than Smart. Certainly he's not the defender Smart is, and people will point at that. But we can look at Trey Young. We can look at Steph Curry. We can look at Chris Paul. And I'm not saying he's any of those players. But you take a player like Steve Nash. It took five years before Steve Nash was given an opportunity to really run a team. And he was a mid-first-round pick. I'm not saying he's Steve Nash either, but I would like to see the best ball handler and an effective penetrator who can pass and run the offense 
work for it. Yeah, they'll find them as mismatches. That happens in every game. Every team hunts mismatches. He's a good on-ball defender. You get him posted up, he's dead. But the same thing happens to Trey Young. Same things happens to, to Steph Curry. So find out what you got. If that's what you got to ride with, ride with it. Good stuff from our friend Tom Curran. Tommy, thank you, friend. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Thanks for asking about hoop.